Hi, I'm Richie Mackay. And I'm Davey Bolt, and you are listening to The Wrong Bias Podcast. And on show 40, we get our teeth into the revamped Yuki Open as we are joined by the new Yuki Open champion, Mark Dawes. We give our views on the current Home International Series uproar. And we discuss the peer to view EIBA live streaming. Plus, there's another change in our competition. As always, our thanks go to our sponsors XX20, Lead to Succeed, and Balls is Balls. And here we are, show number 40. Ruby, 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 Ruby! <laughs> That's I'm the wedding anniversary, mate. Is it? I didn't, yeah. I didn't get that one. <laughs> I thought you were just singing like Kaiser Chiefs. <laughs> would you know? Yeah, we're getting close to our half century. Passed another milestone, mate, with the podcast, 20,000. 20,000. Uh, listens, even. We've, uh, we'll, we'll posted something on the other day over, I think it was 20,041 or something, I think, was the was the post that I put on. And, and the uh, the views on the streamings going very well as well. Yeah, but it took a little bit longer to get out of 20,000 than did to get the 10. But um, obviously, we haven't had as many podcasts out is what we did when we first started because of uh, COVID and everything for the, the last years that we had. Quick congratulations to yourself, mate, getting back to the England indoor squad, as in the European Championships. The Worlds. The world. Oh, 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 oh. corrected, corrected. Underminers, man, I'm scrapping my guts out here just to get on the team. Is it the World Indoor Championships? The world, world Indoor Championships. I'm presuming it's what used to be the World Cup that they used to hold in Australia, which I think Jeremy Henry's won about 143 times. But it's, I think, obviously, the, they've done a World Bowls is, is obviously taken over now, and uh-huh. I don't know whether it's going to be like a northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere thing. Right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, mate, but I, it was nice to nice to get the invite. And it's um, and it's myself and Andrew Walters as the men, which I can only presume is off the back of us, uh, Andrew, giving us, a, giving us an absolute backside smacking in the national Indeed. final of the singles. 2019? It was pre-COVID, yeah. So obviously there's been a... There's been a hiatus from there, so I can only presume it's off the back of that, but it's, it's lovely to be picked and I've been looking forward to the opportunity. Yeah, and it's yeah. Devon Cooper and Ruby Hill, I believe. It's two yeah, um, great. Women down yeah, there very good, mate. I sure hope you enjoy it. Unless you've lived under a pillar over the last uh, fortnight or something, we did do some streaming from Stanley for three days for the UK Open. I'll just, first of all, anybody concerned who watched the streaming, the two media optical lads have recovered from the fumes from your feet when they were <laughs> under the table. <laughs> Several players haven't, but the two <laughs> they've all come down with sweaty feet syndrome. <laughs> no, no coincidence. Nobody played that ditch on much. No, looked a bit cloudy. <laughs> well, that'll teach you to go under the desk while we were streaming. The streaming went well, mate. Thanks for all the nice comments from people who watched it. Hats off to the Stanley Club, Mark as umpires. Great laugh, great laugh, great tournament. Yeah, brilliantly organised, organised. 
great response from everybody watching and we're going to we're going to talk about it obviously we're going yeah. to go into a little bit more depth and I've uh, I've jumped into my little black book and uh, you're not aware of this one because I've just organized it um at last minute but I've, we've got somebody coming on in a couple of minutes who I thought might be an interested party for for the discussions about the UK Open so he can put his input in as well and uh, and just let us know what his thoughts are where as well right. so you'll uh, you'll see his name popping up popping up shortly but uh, he can uh, certainly a, a nice guest to have on the podcast oh, don't Jimmy Tarbuck what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> anyway if you did watch some of the stream and some of our conversations were just off field on the back of our potato waffles chat <laughs> we've actually got two new ventures coming out mate we're going to introduce the wrong bios Easy Meals Cookbook, <laughs> which will feature heavily potato waffles and alphabet spaghetti. Absolutely. Turkey Twizzlers. Five-minute five meals. <laughs> dinosaurs, dinosaurs and all that, you know, fish fingers. <laughs> and um, the other one is, we've, we've actually, one for the old ones, if you can remember the old Yellow Pages advert, and the old fella rings up on the phone. Uh, have you got a copy of Fly Fishing by J.R. Hartley? Oh, you have. I'll be down. Well, they've actually approached us and we're going to make a new one. And they're going to come out with, have you got a copy of Game Management by Davy Bolt? <laughs> yeah, it's in the bargain bin. I'll be down in a minute. Uh, the bargain bin, it should be point of sale. <laughs> the ones dragging people in the shops. <laughs> I'm going to have an artist impression put on the back where I'm looking muscly and chiselled. And under the chin. <laughs> mm, what's you going to play here? Just take three of them chins off and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sort that out. Right, I'm... Uh, I'm... I'm in the middle of it at the minute, so I'm, I think I'm currently up to page 674 of the options that you can play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, was, uh, it, it was a crack in three days, mate, I must admit. It was. Um, mind you, Jason did have it easy. Like on the, for his three days, he just used to sit there, sit there and commentate. Didn't have to do any camera work. I'll tell you, man. He's, That's he's professionals for you. Uh, he's, he's, he gets his, gets his water at room temperature and... You know, he's, he's not happy unless his bacon's cooked at a certain diet. <laughs> Can I be putting up? Can we'll I be putting up with it? We'll man? get there one day, mate. We'll get there one day. <laughs> we will, we will. We'll be moving uh, away from the potato waffles and beans and we'll be getting up there. We'll be eating, we'll be eating spam. Spam. <laughs> fried, fried spam. <laughs> Sandwiches. <laughs> and the latest edition of Inside Bowls is out, mate. And there's a cracking feature on the lad at Canadian Bowler. Yep. Now, what I didn't know was, and... I've read in the article, they were all set to set their podcast with a name, a certain name. They were actually going to call themselves the wrong bias. Were they? They were. Oh, cool. until, we, until we popped up. How embarrassing is that when you get two idiots like us who beat them to the pot were in the name, eh? <laughs> I know. I, know. Uh, I've got to, I must admit, I've got, I've got to give a, you know, a really positive mention to the lads from the Canadian baller because... Um, like us, they're probably you know they're one of the ones who's kept going and kept going throughout the the COVID period. They're doing some yeah, great stuff have, and obviously doing a great job over there. So you know, a great shout out to them lads, and it's um, it's always a pleasure to you know promote them when when they send the stuff through. Um, and we've always said it's a great thing. We want this happening all over the place, don't we? So yeah, we do, mate. We do. The more the merrier. The more the merrier. The more live streaming, the merrier. Absolutely. And now it's time for part one of our chat with Mark Dawes. He, he, he told me he was getting a celebrity on. There he's there, man, the champ. <laughs> Hold on, he's doing his technology bit. <laughs> <laughs>
Good evening, gentlemen. The soon-to-be 16-time champion of the world. Popping me with potato waffles. I didn't. I didn't tell Mr. McKay you were coming on, mate. So it's a surprise to him. I oh, says, I've got, I says I've got a celebrity guest coming on. And obviously, I, we're, we're still waiting for him coming on. Yeah. But thanks for you coming on. What a great. And the alternative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully Cheddar's is coming as well. But um, no, I've, I've said I did send Jamie a, a quick message. We thought, I thought just as a last minute thing, I thought it would be nice to get you two guys on as um, as finalists. For, I, I, I don't know whether Jamie's got Commonwealth Games duty or whatever, so he hasn't seen the message. So I think we're just going to have to put up with you, mate. Unfortunately, oh, well, yeah. never mind. <laughs> never mind. We'll, we'll we'll take the hit on the on the listens. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on, though, mate. Really appreciate it. No problem. So I saw so that leads in nicely to the uh, to the UK Open. We've just done a little bit of intro, intro on it. We thought it was a really great opportunity to have the um, current UK Open champion coming on and um, and talking a little bit about that the new inaugural event that's just taken place. We've just said for us personally, from the from the podcast point of view, three great days for us. Our our little. Our little stint for the first three days, which um, can be seen as professional, unprofessional, whatever people want to call it, but it is <laughs> it is the way we do it, and seemed to go down really well. People responded really well, and I think the the great thing from us was just the interaction from people, people coming on and saying, "I've got somebody watching for the first time. Can you give them a shout?" Our eleven year old daughter, and oh, I've got my wife here, and she's never watched balls before. And that type of thing for us is great, and I think it was a nice little build up towards getting to the main sort of part of the competition where you guys came in. So from your point of view, Mark, what was your what was your overall thoughts about the, the week as a whole? I think it was really good. I, I enjoyed watching the coverage. I watched quite a bit of your coverage for the first two or three days to see what was going on and stuff like that. And you're right, interaction is great. I mean, there's a lot of dead time in bowls. I mean, that's the difficult of promoting it is the sense of a lot of dead time and a lot of games where you know, we can't go through ends where nothing happens. So it's fine to chance. Some people get caught up with, well, they're not describing what, well, a lot of the viewers can see what's going on. You know, in the, in the main, you don't need necessarily to be, you know, talking all the time about what's going on and different stuff and different opinions and different people on there, try, you know, spices the game up a little bit, you know, rather than just the same old shot selection, this, that and the other. I think, it's, I think it was really good. I think the whole tournament was great, really positive. Everyone I spoke to seems to be, it wasn't perfect, but it was never going to be in such a short space of time. But yeah, it really seemed to, you know, capture people's imaginations and actually they quite enjoyed the format as well. From on touching on that, from obviously just a, you know, I, I, we did we did have a sit down over lunch and had a little bit of a talk about it. And you know, one thing I, I say really, really strongly about the guys at the WBT is the the responding really well to to feedback at the minute and obviously trying to trying to adapt that and listen to people and, and move things forward. What's the sort of little things that you you feel could have changed from from the week? The only thing I really thought of was whether they could get any more coverage of the other rinks. You know, whether it just be a couple. Of, I know they started to cut to the other rinks a little bit more later on, which it's not easy. I know it's not a straightforward thing. So maybe, maybe that, maybe just a couple of cameras in the, the corner of the green where you could cut to it and, you know, maybe show a little bit more of that, particularly if the game on the main rink is, you know, like Peter now or a little bit like that. That's a possible option. And the only other one was the colour of bowls. I mean, the, the final, me and Jamie both playing green. <laughs> yes, the stickers, but I just don't think it helps the non-bowler. Most of the people watching would have been bowlers. And I've said this for, in, for a long time, maybe just two colours. It doesn't have to be the same colour. It doesn't have to be red and green. But yeah. And if you 
maybe top of the draw, how you seed, drawn out, are we going to do it? Someone has to change. Now, it would have been unfortunate in the final because one of us, you know, had to change just for the final. But in other tournaments, it happens. You know, the normal tournament, you're swapping, you know, I've played tournaments where I've swapped every single round, if you know what I mean, between red and green. So, yeah, that's the only other thing I would have said that would change. But, I mean, that's two minor things compared to all the positives that came out of it. There is plenty of time, or you know, in the in the big scheme of things, there's there's enough time in between rounds where you could do a toss. As soon as you know who your opponent is, you could toss a coin. Whoever wins the toss gets the choice of colour. So you've got um, two two sets of balls there, whatever colour, and just like home and away strips in football, you choose which one. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, and I think most people have got two sets of balls nowadays as well. I don't think you. And the, the big advantage of this tournament was the qualifiers could use their own balls, which has always yeah. been a little bit of a bugbear for people, you know, who, who've got through in events and they're like, oh, I've got a, a set of balls, not like I'm using this, that and the other. And, and I get that, you know, we've, we've all been there at some point. So, yeah, this at least by doing that, you give them a chance to use their own balls and the ones that they play with all year round. So. Yeah, definitely. And, and and that sort of points to, to why the WBT in the past have done that at Potters, red and green, and in, in some of you know, the WB tournaments, because it does differentiate you can completely tell what the difference is between the two but as you said there's been a a lot of talk for a lot of years and especially me I've always said Ronnie O'Sullivan doesn't get his cue taken off him as he walks into the World Championship <laughs> snooker and said there's a there's a broom handle you're gonna to have to play with that what did you say there Mackay? He said he's on snooker again Mark. Um, I, you know I like me snooker and I'm coming on the darts in a minute so don't even don't even bother Darts is coming any second. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you, you know, they wouldn't give Ronnie, Ronnie O'Sullivan a broom handle and say, there, yeah, you've got to go and play with that because it's different completely to what you've played with. It highlighted that, but then the introduction of being able to play with your, your own balls is a great thing. And, I, and it's something, again, I've said for years, watching it on the live stream, there's no reason why you can't play with any sort of colour. Like you said, there needs to be a differentiation there and potentially you've just got to maybe look at that and the WPT take that away and say, well, yeah, maybe you need to bring two sets of colours, totally different in whatever it is, and one will be your home set, one will be your away set. Toss of a coin will decide which one you play with, if there is a clash of colours, that is. I, I, I tend to agree with that one. Do you, Rich? Could you not just go for extreme colour of your stickers? I mean, yellow and blue or something, you know, just just to make them a bit more obvious? Because I, I know that, I think the stickers, did you have the black, black and, and the silver? Uh, the silver, succeed. Um, and I just thought, well, maybe he's a yellow sticker. If you were watching black and white, it would come up as white. <laughs> and the other ones, if you had black sticker on, you'd be able to tell the difference a little bit easier because me personally watching in the stadium we could see the difference because I think one set of the green and the, the grips were a little bit whiter but from a distance and I, I know where you're coming from I mean it was sods oh you had both had to have green both <laughs> <laughs> oh tell you we're tackling either keyboards going as we speak <laughs> it was nearly as good as the semi was it you and you and fuzzy in the semi-final who came on with red and green as well and everybody's going what they're going back to red and green for, <laughs> for the semi-final what's going on here like it's a absolute yeah. fastest I thought they were supposed to play with their own balls <laughs> which, which is what we've done See, people just go no dive straight in that's the ball I've been using for the whole tournament I just, just happened to be green <laughs> uh, exactly I mean my only my only thought is with the indoor lights sometimes the way the light shines on the top of the ball if it's sitting flat it's hard to tell because it just shines and it reflects off the back of it touching back on the darts Richie you'll frown here just talking about the the gap filling and and I agree with what you've said there there is a there is a lot of dead time in balls, which I think has been a major contribution to potentially getting that coverage that we've wanted for years and years and years because there's a lot of filling in to do. But then I was just watching something about um, this 
what used to be the BDO darts, which is now the WDF or some World yeah, Darts yeah. Federation or something. And I just popped on a, a, a Facebook post and comments on there were absolutely slitting Paul Nicholson, who's the Australian Jordy guy. Oh, yeah, commentator, yeah. He they were just saying, I wish he'd... I, I think um, Duzer had been on, um, the PDC player, and and basically they said he was really good because he talked a lot about darts and, and what it's all about, whereas Paul was going on about pretty much what we were, getting off on a tangent and talking about yeah. McDonald's and other burger, <laughs> other burger places are available. And <laughs> but the difference with darts to the difference with balls is literally three darts can be thrown within 30, well, 10 seconds. Yeah. Gerwin, Van Gerwen's like 10 seconds and his three darts yeah. is thrown. So there isn't any dead time there. So maybe there's been a frustration because whilst people are wanting to know what's going on during the darts game, he's gone off on a tangent. Whereas the difference with us is we've got to try and do something different to fill that time in. And I think people responded quite well to that. No doubt whatsoever. There'll be a lot of people who probably turn the mute off because we're not going to please everybody. But so many people came on and just had a laugh, just had a laugh for us. And were, you know, putting digs in and having a bit joke on with us. And, and it was great. And I think, you know, that's a big part of our sport and we need to try and promote that a little bit more as well. Definitely, totally agree with that. What about the music, Mark? Quality of the music, people complain, whinging about that. But I mean, royalties and all that. But did you find that off putting, or did you sort of like help you to relax a little bit more? Just yeah, I mean, I mean, you're probably the wrong person to ask because I'm not, I don't get disturbed for, yeah. for, for stuff generally. Um, but I think it probably avoided the stuff that you usually get at pause where someone can be open the suite three miles away and it puts someone off, like kind of thing. And and I think it just took that edge away I think sometimes the volume again not for me but for I can understand why people say the volume was sometimes a bit loud only really to have conversation with the markers yeah. sometimes it was like you could see they weren't really sure what you were saying or, or whatever but yeah it's it, it's better and it allows people in the crowd to have a chat and then it, they might even interact a little bit more because it's quite difficult to interact with the players and maybe that's the shot clock you know which is another thing that's taken that away helped because players could interact more a little bit with each other and also you know, with a commentator sat aside, I know there's probably a little bit of chat there. So, yeah, I think the music is is good. It's just maybe trying to find a level. And, yeah, you're not going to please everyone with what type yeah. of music it is. But just some kind of noise just takes the edge off it, which I think is better. Yeah, I think one thing I noticed when you played Jamie in the final was there were people coming in and out. You just got on with it. You just didn't stop, whereas Potters, you possibly would have. Yeah, I think, I mean, me and Jamie are probably ones that don't get distracted as much as others, possibly. Um, and that's not... You know, disrespectful to them that they have everyone has their own, you know, pre-ball routine. I just pick it up and don't think because I confuse myself. I think, <laughs> um, so it literally, we probably, but it, yeah, it was better. And you know, you were just walking in like, Potter's. It's incredibly creaky, so you can hear someone walking, even though you can't see him. You can hear him walking up the stairs every time they come in. So yeah, it, it, it definitely made it easier and, and less disturbances. Which you know, there's nothing worse than going scrolling through Facebook and and you know YouTube and seeing hundred comments on why is he stopped there? Why is he done this? Why is it? You know, it's you know, people get distracted. People have their own routine. They want to stick to that routine, and there's nothing worse than someone moving just as you're about to bowl. I guess for some people, yeah. you know, you you guys probably wouldn't of uh, Richie may so but that was the great thing sitting sitting where we are and that was that was nice for us as well being able to have a little bit of interaction with you guys on the green because there was a couple of times you walked past the, then that sticks in my mind was you played a runner which we literally <laughs> nailed in commentary like we always do because we're always 100% right in the <laughs> 
And we'd nailed the fact that there is no chance if he plays down that back and he can clip that ball away. And lo and behold, you absolutely shattered me 100% record, <laughs> sent us down to 24% and cleaned the ball out. And me and Jason were laughing and going, how on earth has he got that ball? And you walked past and went, how on earth have I got that ball? <laughs> so that, that was good. And I know Paul during that semi-final as well. And even Jamie. Jamie played a shot in the final against you and hadn't realised that his toucher had run in the ditch and he thought he'd cleaned all his balls out. So he walked past absolutely berating his look and then went, oh, is that a toucher? Just, <laughs> just great. And you don't get that at Potters because the guys are stood up in the, they're up in the top, in the top office, yeah. so you're never going to get that. And listening in the crowd, there was people talking all the way through and going, you could hear them sort of saying, he's got to play the forehand here. No, he's got to play the backhand. And, and they, they can actually interact in the game and talk without the worry of all of a sudden a ball going to get slammed at and get the death look from <laughs> one, of, one of the players. <laughs> get the death <laughs> stare and crease up in a ball and think, oh my God, I'd better not even uh, raise my backside cheek in case I let a sound off, otherwise I'm <laughs> going to get chucked out here. So that was really, really good. It was you know, a, a real positive. Like we said, I think there's there's room to either look for something from a licensing point of view to get something that will please the majority because you're never going to please everybody. Bit of Vera Lynn, something like that. You know, that'd be nice, <laughs> nice just to, to break the concentration. I, I think it was a real positive. And we did see it. We did see comments coming on saying, oh my God, what's this music? What's this music? But then throughout the tournament, as it went on, people start to say, and how it is, I'm not a massive fan of the music, but for some reason I'm nodding my head and tapping my foot. <laughs> it was like, uh, it was yeah. so funny. The same tune over and again. I think I feel like I know this one now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, was, there was definitely a, there was definitely a Teletubbies tune on there that Richard loved. Like as soon as that one came on, he was away. He was uh, he was he was dancing like La La right in the crowd. Like so, uh, really good. And there'll be more from Mark later in the show. Right, mate. A subject that's been rumbling on for the last uh, few weeks. And it's the British Isles' decision about the home international series. The exact details of the changes to the senior one are yet to be revealed. The details of the junior one have, and going from a 24-man and woman series, it's now down to a 12-men and 12-women combined series. This obviously caused a big stir on social media. People burning the bras. Keyboard warriors were out. Quotes of killing the game which I think were a bit extreme, to say the least. We're all hitting the old keyboards. Ball Scotland came out with a statement. To me, they skirted around the subject. The big two associations were probably chucked under the bus by a couple of other associations. So the all for one, one for all went out the window. Now, I've got a question for you. What have the following got in common? These are these are surnames. Bland, Dent, Haynes, Holland, Luck, Mosley, Snell and Williams. And it's just in, in connection with the under 25 series. Mm, I don't know. You're right. Like, uh, right. They've all represented at the England under twenty-five level. Yeah. For one series only. Right. Now there may be forty or fifty. There might be a hundred across all the home nations who have only appeared in one home international series at junior level. If this new format was in place, how many of them hundred would have gotten the opportunity to play in that series? I don't think there would have been many, Matt. It's much reduced, yeah. We've talked about this before. You've only got to go past back to a couple of podcasts that we did a long time ago. We we preempted this in a lot of respects. We talked about it before, talked about Wakoki and you know, nothing we haven't talked about before. I've got to completely honest, I've got to I've got to be very careful what I say. I, I work within the governing body. So this no longer becomes a ball issue for me. This becomes a livelihood issue for me. But 
Yeah. I've had my opinion on it. I've said it before. I disagree with it. And I, I will stand by that decision because at the end of the day, it's limiting the, the opportunities that some of the youngsters are going to have to be able to, to play for the country. I agree with you completely there. These comments about, oh, it's dead in the water. The whole game's finished. Nobody's going to... If kids want to play balls, kids will play balls. Regardless, you know, yes, international balls is an incentive, but let's not talk about international balls as if it's three Mars bar rappers and you get in the team. Because at the end, you've got to be you've got to be a good player and you've got to be top 24 in your country. In some respects, those who we're talking about, and let's stop undermining what the actual standard of that international balls is all about. And I'm not and I'm not criticizing what their opinion is, because I totally agree, and I've said it before, yes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to limit the chances that people are going to get. Yeah. Don't agree with that whatsoever. I'm more than happy to say that, because that is my feelings on the subject. What I hate about this whole situation is, you've just touched on it there, you've got two countries, chucking two other countries completely under the bus, yeah. as far as I said this and they said that, and, you know, proud toys out the pram, it's all, it's all this, it's all that. None of us, none of us, who aren't in the know, have a clue who turned up at the meetings, who made these decisions, what the criteria was, who was allowed to go there, who's tickling who's back, who's saying this to who. So from a political point of view, we need to just, we can't comment because we don't know what the situation is. What we can comment on and what really irritates me is that where does this take balls within the British Isles forward? Because when you've got two of your main countries criticizing your other two countries that does not breed anything positive for the future of decisions that's going to go forward in balls to make it a better sport because ultimately unless the unless the work as the british isles as a combined unit you're going to have you're going to end up with a sport that is completely what the sport has been for years and years and years which is completely fractured with so many organizations it's like just stick your finger and and let's pick one and decide which one you're going to play instead of all the organisations working together, which has improved. It's, it's improved in a big way. And I can say this wholeheartedly from the work that I do, the organisations are starting to work great together. But this type of thing at international level, the biggest concern is that you've got to think about your bread and butter of the sport. And the bread and butter of the sport is those who are out there and affiliating to the sport and putting money in. And if you lose that, that's when there becomes problems. And that if that happens across the British Isles, that's when you've got problems because if there's fractures, if there's arguments, if there's people chucking people under the bus, the trust's gone. Yeah. So somewhere along the line, all I want to say about the situation without running myself under the bus is, for God's sake, get it sorted, get a decision, give the reasons as to why you've made the decision, tell us what you think the benefits are going to be going forward and tell us, this is why. This is why we're doing it. That's all we want. And this is all I've ever said all the way along in balls. For God's sake, stop hiding behind a cloak. Be transparent and tell people what the situation is. Because the whole reason people jump on keyboards and start to have the say and have the whinge and have the moan is because it's all here you say. Yeah. This has happened. That's happened. Oh, that he's, is he's balls island jumping on. He's balls wheels jumping on throwing them under the sorts. Obviously, England's fault. It's obviously... No, come on a second. There was everybody at that meeting. So every single one of them organisations has sent a representation to that meeting and a decision has been made overall to come to the overall decision of what the changes are going to be. So stop chucking each other under the bus, be transparent about and just sort it out as an organisation. Otherwise, 
all it's going to do is going to fracture the sport even more, which is not good. Yeah. Full stop. And that's that's literally my biggest concern and the one thing that I just want to stick out there because there is nothing worse than this politics happening on a year-to-year-to-year basis. And we've seen it within our own country. Why are they changing the formats? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Does it stop people playing it in the main? No, because people love to play balls. But ultimately, there's still a little bit of unrest there. But if everybody knew what the situation was and the reasonings behind it, then there will be an understanding there. Now, now I know the what will get thrown back at us is, well, there is a, a home and nations event. Balls England are going to host that. There's the British Isles Championships is coming back to... A Welsh, a Welsh place, which is Land, whatever, Lindley, Dodd, Wales. Landrin, Dodd, Wales, yeah, I'll keep you right on that one and all. Both Scotland are hosting the European Championships at Air, and in 2023, the hope to launch launch a new home nations event. But my thing is, I I didn't mind the format. I didn't mind the format change for the under-25s at all. 12 and 12, great. But run it alongside. Run it. You don't have to sacrifice something for the sake of it. Do you know what it is, Rich? We've been a, a major, major pro-people hate change. And we've always said this yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the one thing that people hate. But they might be doing things that people aren't aware of yeah. that might actually benefit the bigger sport in the long run. Because yeah. I can only imagine, even they must be sitting there and saying to themselves, well, hang on a second, if we cut these numbers by this, that and the other, then that's not going to exactly breed the next generation of bowlers coming into the international setup. They can talk about the elite setup and all this as much as they want. But if you haven't got that, if you haven't got your reserves in football, if you haven't got your second teams, you've got it never ever breeds people coming into the sport. So you can't tell me that anybody's sitting there and just thinking commercial money, commercial money, we need more money into sport through Sport England, through Sport Scotland, whatever it is, there may be other things that's happening in the background that will benefit more people going forward. Like you said, there might be more events where other people who mightn't get the opportunity to play at big events get the chance to do that because they've just been part of a 24, but they're never ever considered for the Hong Kongs or the, you know, the European Championships or some, some things like that. So if there's a strategy in place that might benefit a lot more people to get more elite exposure to bigger competitions, then that could ultimately be a great thing because that then does breed more people to turn around and say, you know what it is? By sticking at this, I've got a chance to go to Hong Kong. I've got a chance to go to Australia. I've got a chance to go Cyprus to play in the, whatever it is to play at the Atlantic Rim. But don't do something without at least backing it up and turning around and saying, "Hang on a second, don't have a go, don't shoot the messenger until you get the full message." Yeah. But the full message should come first before the messenger gets the chance to have a go. Yeah. In in a lot of respects, so I always feel that things are happening too quickly at the at a at a, at a pace that isn't that is too quick to keep the majority happy, if that makes sense. Because all they want to do is jump on everybody who's trying to change things. But as we've said for years and years and years, changes have got to happen because we've done this for years. We've done the same things for years. Where's it got us? It's got us nowhere. We're still stagnant in the sport. Maybe things have got to change. Maybe, Maybe we've got to introduce more opportunities for more players to be able to play at the elite top world level to then handpick those players who can actually stand there under the most extreme pressure and play the big ball when it's needed. Because in the nicest possible way, the 24 doesn't always show that because you're you're hidden in amongst the team. The skips are the ones that stick out because they're the ones that if they miss a ball for dropping a six, the the, 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 the skip's the one that gets the number against the name. But they don't 
mention the third, the second and lead that have failed to put the balls in there to stop and drop in that six in the first place. So, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. But ultimately, I do agree the fact that that, that has still got to be the case. We've still got to be given more people, more chances at that top level. And I hope that is the case. Well, I mean, like I say, I just, I just think my preference, run it alongside, don't kick something out. It's like test cricket. Test cricket, you didn't get rid of test cricket for 2020 cricket, do you? You've run no, it, exactly. you have test cricket and you have T20. They've tried the 100, the 100, whether that works or not is another thing. But me, home national series, keep it in, loads of, loads of opportunities, fetch the other events alongside it. I know the calendar's tight this year because of the Commonwealth Games. They may well take the feedback and, and next year there, might, there may well be a, home in, a proper home international series. Hopefully there is. And I wholeheartedly agree with that, Richie, because I'm completely pro home series because I've been in a lot, a, a lot over the years from under 25 level all the way through to senior level. And there is just something that is a complete buzz about being part of a 24-man team, whether that be junior or senior and that's man women you know disability whatever it is just being part of that setup and it always gets good spectators there's always a great crowd there it's well you know it's well supported and i would hate to see it go so i am completely pro keep the 24 don't get us wrong i'm not trying to not trying to justify against it i'm all i'm trying to justify against is let's just see the bigger picture to it yeah you're the 25s you kick let's get a bit decoration on top Absolutely. Right, mate, these hot topics are like hot potatoes at the minute. They're like a bus service. One comes along and another one straight behind us. <laughs> EIBA's decision to live stream some of the latter stages of the national championships. Now, when I saw the announcement of their partnership with Joymore, I had a check because I'd never heard of them. Uh, and they are a paper, they are equivalent of a pay-per-view platform. So the decision to charge for the latter stages didn't really surprise us. The pricing structure apparently is set up by Joymore and their lowest price that they do for a streaming ticket is $3.99. So the AIBS hand was tied to what they were going to charge anywhere. But then they've gone $4.99, $8.99, $24.99 options, body blah, blah. Now, what we've learned is when we've done the streaming, you tend to grab forks at the start, they dip out, Gandhi the washing up, Gandhi have something to eat, they come back in the middle to check the score for a few minutes, then they're back out again. And then if it's a good game, they'll come back in. So in my opinion, you're unlikely to get somebody to pay who has that tendency to do it. But I'm not taking a strip off the IBA for this. I'm, I'm very much sitting on the fence. And the fact that you can get other live streams from around the world for, for free was always going to be brought up. But rather than knocking the IBA, I, I'm going to give them credit for trying something new. I hope it's a roaring success. I hope that all the money that comes in, I hope it's ploughed back into the game. I don't have a problem at the end of the day if people will either pay it or they won't but we know there's no tighter than baller mate and fair play to them to try it if it works it does it works if it doesn't it doesn't definitely and i, and I, I said this i said this last week as well i think during hours it's you know a, a few people were asking the question and um we've got to get to a situation where these things are there and putting a little bit of money back into the sport because it's all very well you know we, we've talked about it ourselves it's all very well it's free streaming here and there and everywhere but what people also need to grasp at grasp at is people out there who's criticizing the money about the money that was in the uk open it's not just a case of turning over a ball's grain and chucking a load of balls up the grain and then there's the money that's what you're getting don't think about there is the cost for the streaming to go ahead there's the cost for the facilities there's the cost for xyz travel all all of these things all come into a big pot 
at the end of the day and the money's got to be found from somewhere and it's all you know it's all very well to sit there and have a go but do any of these people sometimes criticize about having to spend 20 quid to put Premier League football on Sky do the thing twice if it's a big match or spending 25 quid for for putting a boxing match on that might last 30 seconds if he knocks him out in the first round and then you're asking for four quid to, to watch a game of balls for an hour and a half or two hours in the big scheme of things it's it's not a great deal of money but again it's a different thing to what people are used to because they've never had to do it before so I agree with you complete credit to EIBA for trying it I agree with you I hope it succeeds and I hope the money that comes in does go back into the sport and all I would say is from those who are watching the live stream that are currently free be very thankful about the fact that it is free because it doesn't come for free it doesn't happen for free and it's not cheap to actually do that is there for the benefit of those who are actually being able to watch it like i say it swings and roundabouts i've got absolutely no no issues whatsoever there's nothing nothing to criticize them for because at least they're trying something they've got a new sponsor involved and again the bigger picture is if joy more who are actually streaming that, get a roaring success off the back of it. What's to say that they're not going to turn around and say, hang on a second, this is a roaring success. We're going to put we're going to put 50,000 quid into your national championships. Let's make it a bit of a spectacular. Let's let's put some proper money into the sport so that if you become a national title winner, you're actually, you, you get some good money for it. Or there's 50,000 quid to put into the development of the sport. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a one of those. And you've just hit the nail on the head. Exactly what we said from the first day of starting the podcast. You don't want to do it. Nobody's twisting your arm and nobody's got a knife in your back to do it. If you want to pay the money to watch balls, great. And I hope it's a, I hope it's a great success and I hope they make a, you know, a, a good, get a good response off the back of it. Same as ours. If you're listening to this now and you're thinking they're talking a load of bollocks, switch off and you don't have to listen to us. It costs you nothing to do it. And it's your opinion. We're never going to, we're never going to hold that against you. No. I think what what people forget. I mean, we do the like the stream. It's not free. There's still costs involved. We do the podcast. There's costs involved. We we don't grumble because we we love the sport. We enjoy doing we enjoy doing what we're doing. But uh, yeah, but I, I like you say, mate. I hope it is a success for them. End of the day, we'll see what the feedback is. We'll see what the balance sheet looks like at the end of the year. And uh, meanwhile, I'm off to get the missus to pull the splinters out my backside, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for part two of our chat with Mark Dawes. I made a bold prediction that a qualifier would win it. Obviously, I put the kiss of death on that one. <laughs> <laughs> My thinking was that it would be a, a more relaxed atmosphere for a qualifier. Did did you find it a different sort of like atmosphere? As in, potters, you've got the one ring. Hey, you've got the one ring on, you've got three other games going, or you're playing on the three rings in the show ring. Was that different for you, Mark, or was it more a, a national singles kind of a feel? Yeah, it was. It was different. And you, you had to stop yourself from just watching the other games. Like, well, actually playing it, right? Just concentrate a little bit. So, yeah, and I think it was good. It was good for that. And, yeah, I, I agree with you. I was not surprised because, you know, the top 16 players are the top 16 players for a reason. So, yeah. But I was maybe a little bit surprised that qualif- more qualifiers didn't get through, particularly having had time on the green as well. With the format so close, I know it was different rinks, some of the outside rinks changed. But, yeah, you, I kind of thought that that time on the green, having most clearly confident because he won three or four games in qualifying, w- would maybe have pushed them on. But I guess it probably proves that it's not easy for those guys because the people are playing against are, you know, generally pretty good and, and, and likely to, you know, more often not win games, I guess. That's definitely two of the things, again, that I think have been a real positive for the event. There will be a lot of people out there looking and just seeing, if I turn up for them qualifiers and win three games and play well on the day, I get the chance to get in there and have a go at the top 16. But then it highlighted the fact that we can't argue with the current top 16 in the main because they're away from the portable rink where we all say there's a huge huge advantage 
but ultimately when we've got them into neutral territory where where we're on our you know totally different rinks that you had no idea about yep. and you know we're new to everybody else ultimately the top 16 showed why they currently are the top 16 no arguments with that and I think that's a really really good thing to highlight the fact of people will still argue the fact of yeah but they've, they've, they've had those opportunities over the years they've been in there a long time there's not as much pressure on a qualifier getting there because they're scrapping for everything they're getting to know if they miss that ball they might never get another chance but ultimately it doesn't change the fact that the top 16 have still got to get on there and perform mm. and without a shadow of a doubt it proved in that tournament that the top 16 performed because you would what was it about 12 of the top 16 got the other sort of last, last yeah i think it was and then it was seven out of eight wasn't in the quarterfinals as well yeah. so yeah which which is great and you know you look at you look at wayne who's broken into the top 16 now wayne's had four or five opportunities now at ranking events to break into that top 16 so he has that, that hasn't happened in one event it's taken him four five six times to actually break into that top 16 so yet again it proves that even getting in there is hard and it justifies the positions that's in there but what i would certainly say is the potential going forward now if we start to get a few more of these events is without a doubt there will be a change in that top 16 over the next three or four years and a massive change, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that this is the, the fact of getting other ranking events was the, there's a key to a lot of the top 16 players as well, you know, to get... Because the moment when it was one tournament, it was there was no real kind of... like You couldn't call it a tour, really. It was just one tournament. So, And it needed for the respect of other people and also for the game itself. We needed more tournaments. This is a great start. I've heard rumours that the Scottish might be uh, back on again. I'm just presuming November time. So... If you can get three or four, then a ranking list becomes more like prevalent, more like respected, um, and you will you will get people who you know get through in two or three events because you know there's a lot of players outside the top sixteen who are good players, you know, and actually arguably on the day could easily beat one of the top sixteen. It's just you know the consistency and having to do it on a three four tournament basis to give yourself a chance of getting in. We we are looking at top 16 because realistically you're winning one game, you're already further than a lot of qualifiers have got because they've had they've had to get through five or six in qualifying and then and then play against you know in theory a tougher game against the top 16. So it is when you're in it is easier you know, to, to, to stay in, but ultimately you've got to win games at bowls and, and the people who, you know, have dropped out over the last five, six, seven years uh, have done it because they've had a, a bad run of form and maybe lost games that they should have won. But if, if you do get three, four, five tournaments across the year in four or five years' time, whatever that top 16 is, nobody can argue with the fact of what that top 16 is because there will have been the opportunity there, players to have lost points, players to gain points, qualifiers to get the opportunities to get into them. I do think it'll reshape. I do think you potentially have maybe five or six different players in there, you know, eventually over a five-year period. A lot of great young players coming through. As we talked about during the, the competition, the sets format is now just, it's just par for the course. People are so used to it. They're starting to learn how to play better and better and better because of yeah. the open single circuit, etc. And even a lot of clubs just play drawn to the spots for leagues or whatever it is. So players are getting better and, and they are competing and getting a lot closer to, to the top 16. And I, I just think it's a real positive. I think the more and more we see a slight, you know, new players coming into it, I think the fan base will grow and people will get more and more interested at least trying to get in and, and trying to compete. For any qualifier, I mean, Colin Banks, he was 46. Now he's up to 19. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's sort of like, he's on the edge to possibly progress into the top 16 and that's just off one event you know yep. what I mean so th there is the opportunity there people we've heard oh, it's a close shop it's a close shop ah. 
but there is the opportunity there if people want to take it. Yeah. Particularly with only one event, because I think if you've got one or two events, if you do have a good run, it's a possibility that you don't need that many tournaments to get in. The more tournaments, in a weird kind of way, might make it more difficult for people to get out of the 16 because they've got four or five opportunities to win that first round game. You yeah. know, So it, can, it could go a little bit the other way, um, but the, the important thing is the standard of qualifiers, I think, has probably gone up. There was a few years, maybe when I first got into the top 16, maybe, where some of the overseas qualifiers, you know, unfortunately, you know, because of circumstances, don't play indoor bowls much and stuff like that. It was basically was almost a given that the top 16 player would beat them, you know, and, and therefore they're in the tournament, they win one more game in the quarterfinal, they've probably guaranteed the ranking for the for the year then. Like, so, so long as the standard qualifier stays high, and, and I think it will do because I've, I've noticed a massive difference, obviously, um, the lad from Hong Kong won a game at Potters this year. There has been a lot of better, all the overseas qualifiers at Potters gave a really good account of themselves, and I think that's where, if it stays like that, then yeah, three, four, five tournaments you will get, a, a, you know, the, what is the right top 16. I was just going to say a fair play to the top 16, mate, because, I mean, the prize money at Stanley was only 2K, but they still showed the commitment to come up north, participate in the competition. They could have quite easily say, oh, I'm, not, I'm not coming up type of thing. And I, I think it, it's good to think that the top 16 is still committed to get to stay in the top 16, if, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And we've re- we've requested another tournament. It's for the, the top 16 and meetings and stuff have said we need to get other tournaments. So if you start having people, you know, not turning up for one reason or another, then it doesn't really show it in a good light. I mean, I, it was a terrible time for me with work and family, yeah. but I was like, I need to go A for the ranking points and B because I think I should, if you know what I mean, from the, the whole tournament elements of it. So, no, in the end, I'm glad I did, to be honest, but <laughs> that's a different story. The, the thing is, as well, that the top 16 must realise as well that if, if they ever want to get to a situation where potentially you can earn a little bit of a semi-professional wage but for playing the sport, these things have got to happen because if they don't happen and you don't start small, the, you won't get the figures that have come out from Jason. Figures have been astronomical, really, in Bold's terms, of mm. how many views we've had across the week, the interactions via YouTube. There is nobody in the right mind, as far as businesses are concerned, can ignore the numbers that have come out of that tournament this week. Yes, it's been you know small fry as far as competition prize money is concerned, but the overall bigger scheme of things, of the rank and points and staying in that top 16 for the potential of what the future might bring, if it continues to, to snowball the way it's snowballing, the top 16 must start to think to themselves, if I, want, if I want to still remain a part of this top end of the sport and I want to try and earn some money in the future... These things have got to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, I was at a wedding yesterday and I spoke to someone this morning um, who doesn't know anything about bowls particularly, but apparently um, her father was uh, interested in it, had been down to Potters last year, so was asking my name because it had come up at some point during the day. Um, And they were saying, oh, so is it like semi-professional? Is it professional? I'm like, no, I still work. I said, you know, it's it's a nice extra bit of money if you can get you know get far in tournaments. But you know, so if it could get to a stage where it was, you know, more of the top players could earn a living. Because I think a lot of people, even in the bowls world, think they do. You know, the amount of people who ask me and say, "Oh, well, so you you don't work?" and I'm like, well, "Yeah, of course I work." Like kind of thing. You you can't earn enough from from bowls, and that's fine. You just shouldn't expect to. But I think it's sometimes the perception is that these top players are creaming all sorts of money off for doing all. And, and in, in reality, that is not, not the case at all. You know, it would be lovely if we get four or five, six tournaments and the prize money because you'd then get better players playing in regards to qualifiers. It'd be like, well, yeah, let's go for it. Let's, you know, let, let's do it. And 
we don't play balls for the money. And I think that's why the top 16 turn up. They still go to nationals and things like that where you, you're just playing for prestige. So I think, yeah, it was good that all the top 16, you know, turned up. But And I think they will want to progress the sport ultimately. And by doing that, it may well benefit them as well. It only takes four or five events where you've just got to stick a little badge on your sleeve that has got a major company on there who wants to broadcast to a million people via live stream or via whatever it is, where that's where the potential livelihood comes from, from somebody turning around and saying, I want you to represent our brand and there is X amount of money to be able to do that, just like any other sport. And that's where we've got to get to. That's why we need more events, more exposure and more and more people potentially having that opportunity to get on and try and compete at a high level, which is only going to be a good thing. Yeah, like you said about darts before, it's you see it then, they've all got, loads of different patches of companies and, and it's the company's got no interest particularly in the darts they're just interested in the fact that that's getting seen a lot at an event and it's all different companies and you've, all of them have got four five six you know patches on i'm sure those players are making well, not necessarily millions out of them but making a good amount of money just for literally putting a patch on which anyone can do so. i'm sure they don't have to work or wake up in the morning mate and go to work and then think to myself oh my god i've got to get away and get them get the formula one at half past six because <laughs> i've got a match on because i've got to i've got to get around the racetrack for, for three hours at half past six half past nine then an hour and a half <laughs> drive to get home and get up again the next morning so yeah it's um it'll only be a positive thing and let's just hope you know, it, it keeps it keeps going the way it's going, and um, I know I've I've kept you on here about eleven minutes more than more than I said I was going to. Mark, congratulations again. You yeah. are without a doubt the one name that nobody will want to draw in any first round of any competition anywhere whatsoever. So fantastic, great stuff. What you do on the on the rink, mate. You you always put on a great show. You're always an absolute gentleman on the rink, and um, yeah, long may it continue. So well done for that. And I know it'll have been a tough one playing against your your pair's partner in the in the final, but uh, well done, mate. You stuck it right up. I mean, you can always turn around and say it <laughs> because of me that we've won them world titles because obviously I'm way better than you. So you know, I don't want to don't want to cause any rift between you for future world championships or anything like that. But you know, <laughs> you've got the uh, you've got the number one spot there, mate. So. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Best of luck for the next ranking event for you as well, mate. Wonderful. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Mark. Thanks, mate. Thank you. No problem. See you later. Take care, bud. Just, just to wrap up on that one, I think uh, no, you could, certainly the music, great addition. I just think, I think just a, a really, really, really top event. All in all, to be, to be arranged in 12 weeks, to get something like that off the ground in that short space of time doesn't just happen. Just that that is a lot of hard work. It's a lot of commitment. It's a lot of graft from people who do not get paid for, for what they're doing. So huge gratitude to them. In the early stages, the, the stand wasn't, you know, massively filled, but that was because it was a completely new concept. There was other games going on across the green and there was a lot of people in and around the centre all the way around the green as well. So I know there was a couple of comments, especially from, uh, I don't know whether it was a joke, but from down under saying, you know, I've seen, you know, there's not many people in the stand there. Don't want to cause any any rift, but I did watch the UBC and I must admit there weren't a great deal in that stand neither, but there will have been a lot of people around there. And as we did talk about, potentially the live stream could be a little bit of a, a victim of its own success because right. if people can sit in the, they can sit in the house and watch great balls, yeah in the comfort of their own living room and put it on the TV via YouTube, then, you know, that they're not necessarily going to come down and watch balls, but it doesn't mean that it's not popular. 
and the views have shown that as well. So um, credit to the Stanley Club because they've got a great facility there and um, there was constantly a great deal of people in there throughout the week. So, And I think that the, the word that possibly put a few locals off was probably snow, mate. Because when well, you well, say Stanley and snow, people are whoa! Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Out. But like I say, I mean, you know, the UBC, fantastic tournament. I'm not putting them putting yeah. down in any way or shape or form. But at the same time, we need to support each other because, yeah. you know, we want to broadcast each other's um, things. And like I say, it might have just been a, a joke and jest, you know, from a, from a, from a comment from over there. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's not as if there's 20,000 people sitting and watching their balls over there as well. But there will be a lot of people watching it on the TV and via live stream. So let's just appreciate the fact that we've potentially got two good things happening either side of the world. And if it continues, who knows, they might meet in the middle sometime and have a, you know, a really great world sort of ball setup of yeah. some kind. So, yeah, without a doubt, man. All good stuff. Yeah. Right then. So, normally we would do the uh, the competition question, but uh, we're, we're going to change things a little bit. What we've found in the past is, we're, you know, we get we get a few responses back to the the competition answer on Facebook page or whatever that might be, and then when I put a last second post in, we end up getting. 70, 80, 100 people all jumping in at that last minute to, to enter the competition, which um, tends to take about an hour and a half on the on the laptop to get those names in, watching watching throughout the day. So our thoughts for going forward is that instead of doing a competition question, just keep an eye out on our Facebook page and please feel free to get out there and just let people know that if they, if they follow the Facebook page, as soon as they see a post come up that is advertising the competition and as always, got to, got to thank our XX X20 sponsors for the competitions. We always thank our other sponsors as well, just Lean to Succeed and Balls as Balls. Keep an eye on it. As soon as you see the post, all you need to do is like that post, uh, unless there's some other directions. So for the competitions from now on, for the vouchers that are available, keep your eyes open on the Facebook page, get your friends to follow us, keep an eye open. As soon as you see that post, like it, you'll go into the draw and we'll do a live draw for the voucher. So it gives more people an opportunity, much easier, and those who tend to put the answer in first for the competition, all we see is, and we've tested this one before because I've tested it and I've told somebody to put the wrong answer in. And as soon as I put the wrong answer in, everybody copied it and put the wrong answer in about 30 times because all you do is copy and paste. So <laughs> we've got no problem with that because we want as many people to try and answer the, you know, have the opportunity to win as possible. We love your support and we really appreciate it. So the more people that's got a chance, the better. So that is uh, what's going to happen with the competition going forward. So once again, thanks to everybody. Anyway, there was one one other thing before I get I'm getting my iOS again here, mind you. There's one thing that's really starting to knock us, mate, is this Commonwealth Games because they're constantly rolling out. We've got to replicate the Commonwealth Games pretty format. Now, if you can tell me that an elite player doesn't know now how to play bloody two-ball triples in sets, I'm an Irishman. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Commonwealth Games is a, a fantastic opportunity, you know, in in every country at the minute to showcase the sport. It doesn't yeah, necessarily yeah. have to be in the format of what the Commonwealth Games is be is going to be. Great if there's competitions out there that people want to roll off the back of it and say, because of the Commonwealth Games, we're going to have a two ball triples open competition at our club, which replicates exactly the way they'll be playing at the Commonwealth Games. Try and introduce new players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, we've really got to jump hold of this because you don't get the opportunity that many times to be able to grasp having a Commonwealth Games in your country. And if there's if there's one chance to be able to promote the sport, it's that one. 
Um, but yeah, that, that's what it's got to be. It's got to be just the fact of look at who's playing the Commonwealth Games. Look at the age of the team that's playing it. Look at the quality of the bowlers. Look how good it is. Come along to our club. Try an open competition in a similar format. It doesn't have to be. It can be any format you want it to be. But driving from the back of the Commonwealth Games, you want people to potentially come into the sport or at least watch the Commonwealth Games and then try and look at the local club right. and, and see yeah. what's there. I just it just irritates us that we're, the same as it, everything's got to be this format because of the Commonwealth Games. And you sort of saying, well, your ten players that's in the squad, they've played they've played the game long enough now. They can play yeah. sets. They play two ball triples. End of the day, you get your big thing, near the little thing, you'll win. Yeah, it don't matter, <laughs> it, it don't matter what sets you're playing. You get a big thing, and next to the little thing, you'll win. Like like we said in our conversation with Mark, there's a lot. It's becoming part of the part of the course now. This this whole respot the jack and yeah, different. I mean, format. I love the respot the jack. I love it now. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 just becoming part of the game now. So the reduction in balls and the reduction in numbers of people playing or whatever it is, then it's yeah, it, it, it's not massively important um, in the big scheme of things because, like you said, players will adjust to that regardless. Um, it's all about from from our point of view. It's all about sort of trying to drive the sport forward off the back of the Commonwealth Games, which is really important. And I'm sure in about 25 years, I'll, I'll be using the laser measures because I'll not be able to get down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, class, eh? <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, wafting the laser around. <laughs> that, that one's in there. <laughs> Right, mate, there we go. Show 40 over with a bit of a mixed bag tonight. Good to have Mark Dawes on, UQ Open Chapman. Very nice to have Jamie on as well, just to, you know, have that have that final lineup on. But I'm sure I'm sure we'll get Jamie on in the future, especially with the main part of the, the Commonwealth Games. We might even get his uh, his beautiful wife on Natalie as well. He'd be he'd be saying, listen to him, man. God, hey, man, what a creep. You know, you know what it is? I, I don't know whether you've have you seen, you've just reminded us that the board's England did a Mr. and Mrs. with them. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Did you see? We know a Where's the trousers in that house, Jamie? <laughs> we know. Yes, darling. Yes, darling. Oh, absolutely, darling. Yes, darling. No Who's where's the trousers in the Chesney household? <laughs> I know what name's going on that board. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, so obviously, we've tackled a, a couple of subjects from internationals and a little bit of streaming. Uh, one piece of sad news, which I, I thought would be nice just to, just to mention, uh, the sad passing of Tony Horriban, former AIBA president and England team manager for 12 series, won 10 of them, including a record-breaking six consecutive wins. Every time I saw Tony, I was always mixed up. Was he Lancashire or was he Yorkshire, mate? He was, uh, let's think, he was Lancashire outdoors and he was Yorkshire indoors, wasn't he? He was He was a bit of both, but what a, what a guy. You know, a, a great, great guy. He was also part of the, the BIBC setup as well for, for a few years as well. Just a, a lovely, lovely guy who you know always had a laugh it was always nice to catch up with tony he uh he said it exactly how it was at the end of the day there's been a few times where it's you know you're watching your p's and q's around tony because uh he had, he had his way of looking at you and you're thinking oh my god i've done i've done something wrong here but um i was good that i couldn't get down there but it was lovely to see that a lot of the top bowlers attended the funeral and our you know our great great friend of the show jason um did a eulogy with them uh, on tony as well great friends for a lot of years so yeah really sad it's never a nice time in the sport when we you know when we lose 
anybody, but uh, people who have had such an impact on the sport, it, it hits that little bit harder. So I think nothing but great words about Tony, and he's he's been a great ambassador for the sport. I would call him, um, if it's such a term, as a proper balls man, mate. Yeah, and what I, what I love to see the other day, and I saw it, um, was that the player of the series for the England team indoors will receive the Tony Horriban trophy, which I think is a is a great accolade, and it's a, it's a lovely way to keep his name associated with the sport as well. Well, that's another one I've done with. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, folks. Thanks, all. Take care, all. Thank you for listening and hope you've enjoyed the show. This has been a dodgy production.